What's going on, Clutch Crew Sports fans? This is Zach, back here with another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. And here on today's episode, we are going to recap all of the Super Bowl, talk about some winners, losers, and what both of these teams, what lies in in the future for both of these teams. So I hope you enjoy it. And also, you can find all of our Twitter links now in the description box below. So go follow all of our Twitters. And now let me introduce you to the rest of the crew. What's going on, everybody? This is Eric, your ranting co-host here. Uh, glad to be back for another episode, talk about some Super Bowl and everything. Uh, obviously, for me and Connor, it didn't go the way that we were expecting, but we will uh, we will address everything that went down in the episode here for you. What's going on, guys? It is Connor, the co-host with the most, and... Uh, yeah, definitely not the most exciting end to the NFL season that I could have hoped for. Um, <clears throat> kind of always a bummer when the Super Bowl is a little bit boring and then you uh, you have to wait a long time for football to come back. But nonetheless, we are here to discuss and talk about what went down. And what's up, guys? It's Nate here. Um, decided to talk about the big game last night. Obviously, uh, Zach and I are on the opposite uh, side of things from Eric and Connor, so it'll be fun to talk about. A little bit more fun for us to talk about it than um, uh, what they're going to have. But yeah, it should be a good episode. Yeah, definitely, Nate. I, re- I remember texting you earlier today, being like, "This is going to be a fun one for us," uh, <laughs> since <laughs> since we we called it right. But you know, I was I was wrong last year, so I know how that feels uh, being wrong in your big prediction. But um, anyways, we're going to talk about winners and losers, like I said, and then we will. Um, finish the show talking about kind of uh, what's going to be next for these two teams and the chances of them coming back to the spot too. So um, basically we came up with a lot of different winners um, and not just the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a team. Like we're going to break it down a little bit more specific than just the Buccaneers won the game and the <laughs> Chiefs lost the game. So we have different aspects of it um, and that all kind of, run us through it but first i think we got to start with tom brady and gronk especially with the game gronk had i felt like i had to include him on the list here because uh he had one of his best games of the season and brady obviously gets his seventh ring so um i want to let nate talk about the just what it means for them and how you know winning on a different team is um a much bigger accomplishment than if he'd done it with the patriots and uh, just Nate, talk us through what you thought Brady did right in the game, and um, and why he's the goat. Yeah, so I mean, I think it was just really just a big thing, obviously for both of their legacies. Um, obviously, too bad it wasn't with uh, the Pats for another season, but uh, I think for both of them to go and win a championship uh, first year on our new team, especially um, uh, for Brady. And being the quarterback, being obviously the main uh, star on that team, <clears throat> to go down to a totally new city, new team, and do all that was huge in his first season, especially with like no off season, really because of COVID and uh, all of that. Um, I think it was early. It's like the goat debate is still going to go on, but I think after this, even I, mean, I think obviously we all know my opinion that he already was before this. I think after. Having won seven titles and 
you know, he's the second quarterback after Peyton Manning to win uh, one with two different franchises. And I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know how any quarterback um, can even touch this, even coming up in the future. I don't know. He Mahomes obviously is incredible, and he's got uh, a long career ahead of him, hopefully. But um, I don't know. That's some tough uh, accomplishments to uh, um, surpass there, I guess. But yeah, I mean, they both looked great last night, and they really looked like <laughs> they really looked like they weren't uh, their age. I guess they looked um, like the Brady and Gronk from uh, three, four years ago, and I think they both said they're coming back. And I was a little bit surprised that you know Gronk was going to stay another year, but you really look at him and he looks finally healthy for the first time. Um, he retired two years ago from the Pat, sat out a year, and came back, and he looks. You know, like he's back up to playing speed. It it took him the first, I would say, half the season to get back into it. It seemed like, but um, now it looks like he's back in stride. I, I think he could have another really good year, um, borderline uh, Pro Bowl if he stays healthy and Brady keeps putting up numbers next year. So I don't know. I think this was a huge game for both their legacies, and they uh, look like they're you know in position to keep it going for another year. All right, and then let's also talk now about. Um, a bunch of players on this Buccaneers team, uh, as well as players and coaches, including Byron Leftwich, are ended up being former Jags. And I guess Leonard Fournette was the one that had the biggest impact on the game. But Eric, uh, talk us talk about all the former Jags that showed up in this Super Bowl and how they now are getting rings after wearing the teal uh, just a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like even though I was rooting for the Chiefs to win. I'm assuming, other, I believe other than Chad Henney, I don't think they had any other former Jags. Like, most of them were affiliated with the Bucks. But yeah, but I, I am happy for those guys. Uh, and even even Leonard Fournette, who I, I had a little bit of an issue with him when he was a Jag. But at the same time, I thought it was really dumb when the Jags had just released him and not even traded him for anything. I, I did feel like that was a little bit of an insult to him. And... And he definitely had a chip on his shoulder. And while he struggled at times during the season, like a, like a lot of the rest of the Bucks players, like him and the rest of the team, they got it together at the right time. And that's what led to them having this dominating performance. And so I give him a lot of credit for how he played in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. And, you know, and good for uh, Josh Wells. I know most people listening probably have no idea who he is, but he was a backup tackle for the Jags for a really long time and so for him to get to go over to a winning team uh and win the Super Bowl I'm happy for him and Jaden Mickens was a really big uh underdog story like he used to sleep in his car like at the stadium for Jaguars practices because he basically like wasn't even getting paid like uh for like tryouts and stuff basically and then he made his way onto the practice squad and then got a roster spot and uh, contributed for us, which was really cool. So uh, he's another one that most people probably don't know who he is, but um, I'm very happy for him too. I remember when I realized he was on the Bucks like during the season, I thought it was cool that I figured after he left Jacksonville that he didn't get another shot. So uh, happy for him to get a ring. And then I have to give the biggest credit though to Byron Leftwich, the offense. Well, obviously he wasn't playing in the game, but as the offensive coordinator for the Bucks. Um, Zach and I were talking a little bit after the game. And I, I think what the 
biggest thing that really turned the game around for the Bucks was the first two drives of the game. Uh, offensively, what they were doing was not working, and they were trying too many like deep drop back passes, and that was giving the KC pass rush time to get there. Uh, the first drive, they got that big pressure on Brady that made him make a bad throw. And then the second drive, they got the sack, which forced the punt. So from that third drive on, they came out and started doing, they got the run game going. They got the screen game going, quick passes, quick play action passes, just hitting them with all kinds of different looks. And the Chiefs couldn't figure it out. So uh, while obviously Tampa's defense was insanely good, I, I think Byron Leftwich has kind of flown under the radar with some people with his performance and, you know, adjusting to the game plan, which the Chiefs didn't do. We'll talk about that later. But so, yeah, a lot of former Jags being involved in this game. And I was really happy to see that for them. And, uh, yeah, shout out to them. <laughs> and also, too, uh, one other guy you didn't you forgot to mention, but Blaine Gabbard, do you have any words about him? Uh, well, you know, he was like, a he was kind of a bust for us. So, you know, like, uh, you know, a little bum. Yeah, I mean, you know, good for him to go get a ring and, uh, you know, whatever. But yeah, at least like Fournette had some good games for us. Yeah, and, no, yeah. You know, I talked about Wells and Mickens, what they, how they were they kind were of good, yeah. cool guys for us and stuff. But yeah, Blaine Gabbert was a first round bust. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> Still good for him. Still good for him. Yeah, yeah, I don't, exactly. I, I don't miss like the other guys. Like, like I kind of miss being on the team, or, and like Byron Leftwich, I'd be cool if he like became over like a coach for us one day or something. But uh, like Blaine Gabbert, like, like man, you were really bad for us, bro. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I got you. I got you. <laughs> you, mean you don't miss yeah. Chad Henney either. <laughs> uh, man, man. I, I miss Henny. I, I miss Henny even, um, even less than because I think Henny lasted longer than Ben Gabbert did, but. Anyways, they're both they were both bad, and we don't want to remember them. Um, <laughs> and also, too, up here, I have a picture of myself. Uh, yes, me, Zach Conger. Um, I, I wanted <laughs> I wanted to put myself Ooh, on the first, not uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to put myself on the slide just because this was the team that I I had you know been on their bandwagon before the season started. You know, I was. I was a big fan of when Brady uh, chose the Buccaneers. I thought any other team, and I, I wouldn't have uh, necessarily thought that that team would have been in the Super Bowl, except for maybe San Francisco. Um, but I, the thing is, is I, I watched a lot of the Buccaneers games from last year, and I watched how their defense progressed. And obviously, it, the, the game was stunning to me because I didn't predict the score. Uh, right. I thought it would have been a game winning touchdown to end the game. So I didn't expect this kind of kind of a blowout. And I, I even tweeted that um, it's crazy. The Packers played the played the Buccaneers closer than the Chiefs did, which I thought was crazy. If you had told me that a couple of weeks ago, I would have said you're crazy. Um, <laughs> no slight to the Packers. But um, yeah, it's just uh, it, it's it's rare that you make a prediction like this from the start of the year and, you know, keep with it. And, you know, because there was some rough times in the season after that New Orleans game when they got blown out uh, at home, like 38 to three or something. It was definitely like I there was no argument for me to make, really. But I I just kind of had that feeling that, you know, it's 
tough to bet against Tom Brady and the team around him was so good too. It wasn't just him, obviously, because the year before with the Patriots, that team wasn't as good and they went out in the playoffs pretty early. So um, I don't know. We'll see what happens next year. I'm not going to say I'm picking the Bucks to repeat yet. I don't know what I'm going to pick next year, but um, I I do think, you know, all those times I had the Bucks high up in the power rankings, you know, finally paid off here now that they ended the season number one. So I wanted to pat myself on the back here and put, my, put myself on the winner's side. If only I made a preseason bet, though, because um, crazy enough, the preseason odds uh, for the Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl was the longest odds since the 2001 Super Bowl winner. Uh, Patriots, I think, were the winner in that year. So um, definitely it wasn't expected. I know a lot of people probably did pick the Bucks to win the Super Bowl because of Brady and all, but still it was, uh, they were definitely the underdogs heading into this game. Um, so we'll move on now and talk about the AFC. So Connor, tell us why you think the AFC, you know, other than the Chiefs, obviously, uh, are winners <laughs> after this game. Yeah, the Chiefs are definitely big losers after this game. But um, yeah, no, I think this is, it's really, I think this was an eye-opening game for a lot of the other teams in the AFC who, you know, pretty well all season. I mean, the Chiefs didn't lose a game all season with their starters, except to the Raiders. Um, you know, they lost that game to the Chargers, but no Mahomes, no Kelsey, no Tyreek Hill, like a bunch of their starters sat out. So you can't really count that. So um I definitely think it's one of those things. It's like, you know, everybody was thinking, I mean, even before the season, right? I mean, we all had KC in the Super Bowl. I mean, none of us had any team coming out of the AFC besides KC. So we all knew it was going to happen. You know, we all, every, the KC is like this juggernaut, you know, I know Zach was talking, I know, well, Zach and Eric and I were talking about how, you know, kind of sucks for us in a way that, we're all fans of AFC teams because the Chiefs were looking like they were ready to start being the next Patriots where, you know, they were that team that was always coming out of the AFC and, you know, they were the team that you always had to get past. But really, the Buccaneers really came out and, you know, they wrote the blueprint for how to stop the uh, stop the Chiefs because I know that was something that I think was really different when you're comparing the Patriots and the Chiefs because when the Patriots were on their run, like, yeah, you know, they lost three of the Super Bowls that they went to, but they never got blown out in any of them. I mean, it looked like they were about to get blown out in the one against the Falcons until they had that big comeback. So this was definitely a true blowout um, and something that, you know, it's been a long time since the Chiefs have been blown out. And it gives a lot of hope to the AFC teams because the AFC is stacked right now. And, you know, we'll get to the NFC a little bit later, oddly enough. But um, it's like, you know, you have a team that was very a team that was 10 and 6 and the Miami Dolphins missed out on the playoffs which is very rare especially now that there's a 17 playoff you know for each side that a team that went 10 and 6 missed out so it gives a lot of hope to these especially and it gives a lot of hope in my opinion to these teams that have their philosophy on defense you know i think it gives a lot of hope to teams like the Steelers teams like the Colts like the Ravens that really build their fundamentals on defense and you know, it, I mean, we didn't I know the Tampa Bay defense is on our uh, winners page here and we'll get to them a little bit. But I think this was a win for defense as a whole, because that, you know, we were talking about last year with this Chiefs offense, like, oh, you know, this is, you know, 
the league is changing. The offense is the way to go now. You know, it's these big, these big offenses that are going to win it for you. And, you know, the two teams that made it to the AFC championship game this year, the Chiefs and Bills, got there with terrific offense. But, you know, the Bucks really went out there and proved the age-old adage that defense does win championships. So, like I said, it just gives a lot of hope to these AFC teams that, okay, now we have the blueprint to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs because even the games they had lost before, like I said, were close losses. So it's like, okay, it's not really a blueprint. It's not really, you know, you know, yeah, you can take points from this, but obviously the Chiefs like still almost won. So you don't want to do everything that the other team did. But you can really take a look at this Buccaneers team and like what they did and like, like, okay, this is the formula for how to beat them. And, you know, with, like I said, with the AFC being so stacked, it's definitely um, something to look out for next year to see, you know, will the Chiefs get here again? Um, you know, it's definitely very possible that they can, but with the way that the AFC is trending right now, they're going to have a lot of challengers breathing down their neck. And now they've been, they, and now they know that the Chiefs are a beatable team. So mm-hmm. um, I, I just wanted to include the AFC on here because. I know how scared all of us were. Oh being, yeah, <laughs> being fans of AFC teams, and now after watching this, we can all like <sighs> take a breath. Like, it's okay, possible. it is possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I 100% agree with everything you said there. Um, and you talked about the Tampa defense and why defense is a whole win, and I and I do agree with that. But Nate, talk specifically about the kind of performance that the Tampa defense specifically had against Mahomes and um, and what they were doing to stop him. And then uh, I'll let Eric also talk because I know he was talking to me about the Bucks defense and um, and what how good they were doing. So I'll start with uh, I'll start with Nate first, though, and uh, talk about some of these defensive guys. Yeah, so, I mean, that was kind of something we talked about um in the last episode coming into this game is that I think for me what really stood out was the pass rush uh Mahomes was constantly on the run and I saw some kind of stat I forget the exact numbers now but it was something it was some like advanced stat where they said Mahomes ran a total of like 470 yards um uh before like on each uh, I forget what the number was but it was basically like 497 the most is 497 okay yeah yeah yeah, before, like, what was it, before the sacks and the pressures and stuff yes, combined? Yes, yeah. it was Just in the pocket. Yeah. And... Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I forgot whether, like, yeah, I didn't have the exact number, but basically is just showing that um, they had him, like, running all over the place last night. Um, if you watched the game, obviously you saw that uh, yourself without the um, knocks, but uh, I think the they really got a ton of pressure on him without even – having to blitz that much it looked like and um obviously knew they had great pass rushers coming in they looked great versus uh Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay a couple weeks ago but um Pierre Paul and um Sue and all those guys looked amazing last night really and Shaq Barrett and um they just had him you know Mahomes just couldn't get the time to get those deep balls to Tyreek and uh Hardman going uh, he was running around and had to, you know, couldn't make things happen like he usually does. So I think that was the biggest thing for me. I mean, everyone else, you know, the linebackers and the secondary played well, but I think that's really what um, uh, kind of shut them down. I think that's kind of the blueprint 
uh, going forward is obviously every team doesn't have a, a D line like the Bucks do, but I think that's kind of way you got to beat the Chiefs is, you know, if you don't give Mahomes time, like, yeah, you can move, but um, that's really how you kind of account for all that speed they have downfield. Yeah, and, and I remember watching, I don't know if anybody else saw this, but in one of the pregame interviews that I saw, they were interviewing JPP, and they asked him, how are you going to stop Mahomes? And he said, how is Mahomes going to stop me? And I, I was like, wow, like that the confidence that this defense have is um, Devin White saying he was shocked that they were underdogs. Like he, the, the defense, I think, as a whole just felt like they had a supreme confidence to him throughout the whole game. And uh, I'll talk to Eric about like, Eric, talk about like what Todd Bowles was doing specifically with this defense and really how well they recovered after that first quarter in the first meeting where they gave up 17 points, and then they only gave up 10 points after that and nine points in the Super Bowl. Talk us about how Todd Bowles managed uh, all these defensive players and really adjusted to what the Chiefs were doing. Yeah, I mean, I talked uh, earlier about Byron Leftwich, and I loved how he adjusted the offense when they needed it. And Todd Bowles did the same thing. I mean, in that regular season game, Tyreek Hill was just torching him in that first quarter. Like you said, I mean, he ended up finishing with like almost 300 receiving yards in that game or something like that. It was insane. And he adjusted brilliantly to that in the rest of that regular season game. And then including in the Super Bowl, I mean, it it's crazy too to me that the Chiefs couldn't adjust to what the Bucks were doing because I really thought what Tobles did while it was brilliant in the sense of making the adjustments I felt like it was it was like a simple game plan though like he kept it simple like he kept two safeties like way up top so and then whichever side uh Tyreek Hill was lining up on uh they were double teaming him they had Levante David and Devin White covering over the middle which was uh limiting Kelsey for a lot of the game and then he had his four best pass rushers on the line and he said, he took them and said, you know, go get Mahomes, like just go get them. And, and they did. I mean, like Nate said, they weren't, it wasn't like they were getting to Mahomes because they were disguising blitzes and looking like they were only going to send four guys, but then rush six or uh, look like they were going to blitz six guys, but then drop more into coverage and only have three or four guys rush. Like, they just had four guys on the line of scrimmage and two deep safeties to prevent the deep ball covered everything else in the middle. And it worked. I mean, I, I, I give, I give, I give Todd Bowles and that defense a lot of credit because they, I mean, I, I'm sure everybody would agree, but obviously Tampa Bay was by far the more prepared team for this game. I mean, they had their game plan and, it worked to perfection on both sides of the ball. So I give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah. And then moving on now to the, the, the to the last winner on this slide, um, we put the city of Tampa as the winner because, um, you know, before this year, there really hadn't been too much success. You know, the Bucks had won a, a championship, a Super Bowl, and the, the rate or the Lightning had won uh, several decades ago. But, um, now in the span of just one year, 
they had all of their professional teams make their champ their sports championship and two of the three actually won being the the lightning and the buccaneers and of course the rays lost to the dodgers but still just like it's just like a crazy to me how you know like Tampa just came out of nowhere on the sports scene and, and then the, and the Bucks especially too because they really came out of nowhere just they were a laughing stock for so long and then boom and now they win the Super Bowl you know and and uh we'll see we'll see how it goes but I do think it's sustainable I do think with all the teams in Tampa I think it's uh they're all going to be sustainable winners for the future maybe not as successful as this year obviously that's pretty hard to do but uh, still was uh, I think, the, a good I think the Rays are the biggest question mark on that. Yeah, list. probably. I, I know the Rays have a lot of uh, like free agents yeah. and player issues going on they right have, now. Uh, whereas, like a money issue too. I know. Yeah. Whereas um, like with but, Lightning, the Lightning are off to a good start this yeah. year though. So. <laughs> and also too the uh, the Rowdies, which is the professional soccer team. I don't think they're they're not in the MLS, but they're in another league. They were in the in the championship series. Uh, but it got canceled due to COVID. So they were also, uh, you know, the the minor league soccer team also was in it. Now the only, you know, disappointing thing, and I, it, it sucks for me, but like, come on, USF, <laughs> like let's get it together now. Like uh, they they were terrible last year. They went like the, I think like one and seven. It's um, one of those things like USF stops being good, and then the rest of Tampa starts getting good. <laughs> I know because USF was was the best part for for a while. I mean, the Lightning have been good consistently, but still, uh, they were good a couple of years ago. Not so good now. And the basketball team hasn't even played for like a month and a half. So, you know, they they weren't supposed to be great anyways. But still, come on, USF, you got to get it together. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's go talk about the losers now. Um, because with all every winner, there's a loser. So um, I'll start with Connor first and talk about the halftime show. And you know, trigger warning to some people because it got some mixed res- mixed reviews on uh, Twitter from what I saw. But Connor had some opinions about it and wanted to put it on the loser slide. So I'll let him talk about why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just I don't know, man. This. I feel like every year I like get more and more disappointed when it comes to the halftime show. I mean, it's just some of these people that they go on find to do the halftime show. Like when I was a kid, you know, we had like Prince, we had the who we had, you know, a little bit before, like um, when I was a little bit younger, Michael Jackson, like you had all these big, big time artists, like, you know, really famous, you know, putting on fantastic known for putting on great shows. And, now it's just like okay, you know we're gonna we're just gonna pick whoever has like the most popular song at the time, which for in some cases I think is okay because you know some of these artists that they've gotten recently are have been pretty established like Beyonce and Bruno Mars and you know Jennifer Lopez and Shakira last year which you know I'm not a huge fan of pop music but at least I can say for like Jennifer Lopez and Shakira's sake like they put on a good show. You know, I didn't really enjoy the music as much, but they put on a good show. And at least even though I didn't like, you know, I didn't enjoy the music, I at least recognized quite a few of the songs that they were singing because, you know, they're iconic songs. So there was that. But this year it was just like when I heard that they were getting the weekend to do the halftime show, I was like, like, at first I had no idea who he was. You know, I 
obviously I've heard blinding lights before, but I like, you know, it's just one of those songs for a lot of people where it's like you hear it and you have no idea who actually sings it. You just like the song, but it's just like, you could care less who sings it. I'm just like, Oh, it's that guy. Like, does this guy have any other songs other besides this one? Like I've never heard of him. And I think that really came through, especially for him. What hurt him a lot, in my opinion, was he, no one else showed up. It was just him. And for pretty well most of the halftime show, I was sitting there and I'm just like, I have no, like, I don't know this guy. I don't know who he is. I don't know these songs that he's singing. They're not very good. <laughs> like, I just want to fall asleep. And then, you know, he had this thing where he went into the, like, he went into whatever stage he was in. It was like a, you know, a bunch of bright yellow lights. And it was like he was holding a selfie stick. And it was like you were watching Cloverfield about to get motion sickness. Like, he was moving oh, all God. around and jerking <laughs> the camera all over the place. I was like, oh, my goodness. This is, like, this is hurting my eyes looking at this. And then the people who were, like, you know, wearing their masks and everything. I mean, the people on Twitter and Facebook were saying it looked like they had jock straps on their head. Like, they were just looking creepy. And, you know, and obviously... The other big thing for me that I always laugh about with these halftime shows now is that it was completely lip synced. I mean, yeah, they threw in his voice like in a couple places or like, you know, you could hear a couple times during blinding lights where like they would kind of throw his voice in there a little bit. Like, you know, you said make it sound real. It's like he's totally lip syncing this. There's no way that it's all real. And it's just I don't know for something that they advertise as like this is the biggest show in the world i mean i'd rather just sit and listen to like james brown and boomer and all them talk about football for like 15 minutes and then get back to the game rather than just watch a halftime show that i'm probably just going to get up to go to the bathroom while it's going on and then take a nap while it's going on and then oh an hour back to football something interesting so it's i don't know i feel like they need to I don't know. In some way, they need to change it up in some way or fashion. I mean, I've been advocating for a long time that I think they need to get the Foo Fighters to do the halftime show because rock bands don't lip sync. So um, get so. And I don't see why not, because they're American. They are really popular. And I mean, they're probably like the one of the most iconic rock bands in history at this point. So. Why not? But anyway, yeah. uh, just uh, major just changes waiting. need to be made because I I fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm just waiting for the the YouTube video to pop up that has the Super Bowl the performance and they have like Slipknot music over it, like with all the masks. <laughs> and stuff. Like, uh, we'll see if that happens or not, but I I bet it will. Um, yeah, I I agree with 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 you a lot on that. Um, Eric, uh, I see a yawning face on this on the screen and hopefully our listeners and viewers aren't yawning right now but um definitely for the casual fan and if you weren't a buccaneers fan like this had to be a pretty boring super bowl to watch just because it wasn't really close after the after half so just talk about uh why this really was a losing moment in the super bowl how it wasn't a competitive game for you yeah i mean Obviously, this game sucked to watch. <laughs> I mean, it was just it if was you're not bad, a Bucks man. fan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously for Bucks fans, uh, it was enjoyable, and obviously for Chiefs fans, it absolutely sucked. But uh, I mean, obviously, like I was rooting for the Chiefs because I picked them to win. But I mean, even if I had picked the Bucks to win, I'd be like, okay, this game's getting pretty boring. I mean, it 
it was bad. It was just like all game. You just kept waiting for the Chiefs to wake up. You're like, okay, they're down a little bit, but they've been down before in the playoffs. Now they're going to start doing it. Oh, nope, uh, another punt. Uh, okay, uh, now they got the ball back. Th- this time, this is where their offense is going to click, and they're going to get it going. And Oh, interception. Or j- just the whole uh, the whole time, it just seemed like the Chiefs just didn't have it together. And, you know, then like Zach said, I mean, by, you know, I'd say it was so competitive by halftime, but you could tell the Chiefs were losing it. And then by halfway through the third quarter, I mean, it would have been a miracle if the Chiefs had come back. And I don't know, man, it just it was uh, this game is like up there is one of the most boring Super Bowls I've ever watched. I mean, the Patriots Rams is up there with the that exciting 10 to three game that <laughs> happened and Seahawks uh, Broncos. I'm, I'm sure, yeah. Seahawks Broncos, that blowout, that was a really bad one. But I mean, I will say the Rams Patriots when I say, even though Nate's a Patriots fan, I'd say that game might've even gotten boring for him, even though the Patriots did win that game. It was just like punt, 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 punt. But like, at least this game, I guess had some scoring in it, but it was just so one-sided that it just, like I started to lose interest like really quick. Like I, like, I almost I was really tempted to just hop on my PlayStation and start playing some Madden or 2K or something, but I told myself I said no. I I finish every Super Bowl. I'm not gonna. It's the final <laughs> game. It's the final game of the year. I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna get football for a good six months after this. So like like I'm gonna watch the whole game. But there were points where I just didn't want to. <laughs> well, I, I will say I guess I'll add on to that a little bit. That you know I think. One thing that's a little bit unfortunate for, you know, our generation really is that people forget because really, I mean, ever since, I mean, really ever since the 2000s started, there have been a lot of really good Super Bowls. I mean, you know, the Patriots always played, you know, their first three were really close. You know, you had the the back-to-back years where it was like Giants and Patriots and then Steelers and Cardinals and those were both really good and then like, you know, the Saints and Colts and the Steelers Packers ones were decent. And then you had Giants Patriots again was really close. And there's just and obviously like last year was really good. So we've just been blessed, really, the past 20 years with a lot of really good Super Bowls. But it's funny because if you go back and look at, you know, like the scores and what what and what happened before that, a lot of Super Bowls were blowouts before that. You know, I mean, the only really close ones you can really think of was like, like Steelers, Cowboys, and Super Bowl thirteen, and then like Bills, Giants, obviously wide right. Sorry, Dad. Um, and then, but other than that, I mean, a lot of these Super Bowls were blowouts back in the day. So it's unfortunate that you know it does happen. And thankfully for us, we've been uh, we've been really fortunate in our lifetimes to be able to see some really really good ones. <laughs> Um, but unfortunately, this was not one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've gotten spoiled with them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 hopefully next year will be better. We'll say that. We haven't had back-to-back bad ones, I think, in a while. So we'll see. Um, so, Nate, I have a picture of Bill Belichick up on the loser slide because, obviously, um, when it comes to the Pats dynasty, it's always been Brady, Belichick. Like, those were the two consistent factors throughout that whole dynasty. Um and now that Brady's gone away from the Patriots and won a Super Bowl in his first year with a new team, and then Belichick misses the playoffs in the first time in forever, 
Um, it has to, in my eyes, anyways, it makes him appear as a loser. Obviously, still great and all, but where do you think? Um, like, it, do you think now he has to win a Super Bowl on his own to get the type of credibility that he would have had if Brady hadn't done this? Like, do you read into that, or do you think it's just they're both great in their own ways, sort of thing? Yeah, so I mean, I don't know. I personally don't think he has to win, you know, another Super Bowl to be um, the greatest, you know, considered the greatest coach of all time. He's what he's done over 20 years was, you know, incredible, even with, uh, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady. I think that's still exceptional with the teams he was able to build around him because even, you know, before Brady really took off, he had, you know, some great defenses. Um, some great rosters that were built in the early 2000s that were, you know, mostly on, you know, him and his staff as, um, you know, the GM putting that together. So, I mean, he's, I think he's shown enough. Um, I think, I think the whole argument about who is more responsible is kind of, you know, something that is going to be pretty played out over the next couple of years. And I don't think it's really a good answer. I think uh, Brady wouldn't be, I don't think the best quarterback of all time if he didn't land, you know, in New England and had that situation for the first, you know, three, four, five years of his career. And then I also don't think that Belichick would have, you know, all the rings he does if he didn't have a guy like Brady to bail him out in, you know, the Super Bowl versus the um, Falcons and some of those games along the way. He wouldn't have all those rings. But, I mean, I don't know. He had, you know, two rings as a coordinator back before he even joined the Patriots so it's like you know I think the guy definitely obviously knows what he's doing I think uh, this is gonna be a big offseason to see what kind of um you know how they can address all the holes all over the roster and see if they can put a competitive team on the field next year but I think um he's the greatest coach of all time uh whenever he decides to retire until somebody else uh you know win six titles so I think he's you know, I think his legacy is pretty set. I think Brady's obviously is set. So I don't think either of them, you know, really right. have that much left so to I'll prove, ask... in my opinion, at least. Yeah, yeah. I'll <laughs> ask you. Um, I'll ask you this and give me an honest answer. Are you mad now that he didn't? Because all the rumors and stuff were that he wanted Brady out. It wasn't that like Brady didn't want to go, but he basically forced him out. Like, are you at all mad? for him at doing that because I know there's going to be some Patriots fans that are going to look at him side-eyed since Brady just won with the Bucks being like what he could have done this for us again like are you at all upset with the route that he chose to take or do you understand that the roster just wasn't good enough and they wouldn't have been able to do what Tampa did like where do you how do you feel about that yeah I mean I think it's frustrating just because personally obviously I didn't ever want to see him uh, plenty where else want I think pretty much anyone in New England wanted to see him retire as a Patriot, but um, I think I don't know. It was a tricky deal. I wish he would have um, not only uh, I guess you know wanted to keep Brady around, but I wish he would have invested more in the roster because I think that's the other thing is even if you know Belichick would have been open to having him back, um, who knows if he you know even if he wasn't you know reportedly trying to push him out, you know I don't think the roster even um have been suitable for Brady you could tell how frustrated he was all of uh, the 2019 season trying to throw to you know those rookies and those 
um, whatever kind of random wide receivers they threw out there. So I think Brady probably wanted to go out and play his last two, three years um, somewhere where he could compete for a championship. And I don't blame him. You know, you're, you're 42, 43. You want to, um, you, you have a definite window of time got, in the NFL. I don't want to waste it throwing to, you know, Kobe Myers and Nikhil Harry. Right. Yeah, it's like, you ain't yeah, got time so, for I mean, no rebuilds. I don't know. It, it's frustrating, but I don't think either of them are really uh, to blame here unless some new uh, behind-the-scenes accounts come out in the next couple of years. Okay. Yeah, uh, it's just interesting to see what, you know, a Patriots fan thinks about that sort of stuff. Um, and the next loser that I have on this list I will talk about, and that's going to be Andy Reid and... I, you know, I'm not going to question his greatness and all, and obviously he's uh, a champion as a coach, but a lot of the things that were said about him in Philadelphia, and I know Eagles fans, I always see Eagles fans, whenever people talk about Reed on Twitter, it's always uh, how badly he mismanaged the clock when he was the Eagles coach and how frustrating it was. Zach is talking about clock I know, management I know. problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But that really came up again in this Super Bowl. And, you know, it, for me, rooting for the Bucks, it was like what he was doing was cool. But still, even a part of me going for the Bucks was just frustrated by it. I'm like, I can't sit still when I see stuff like this. Like Zach's pet peeve <laughs> of all pet peeves. <laughs> it really is, man. And basically, to summarize what he did, and I, I know you guys are a little bit more lenient about that first time out, but... To, in my eyes, because I don't know what kind of analytics these guys are listening to, but what are the odds that you stop them with and use your three timeouts and then get the ball back with 30 seconds left, probably down on your 20 in score points? I mean, it's just not very likely to happen. And it was clear that Tampa was just going to go into halftime with the 14-6 lead. Like Eric had said to me before, they the Chiefs get the ball to start the second half, and even if they didn't, it's only a one-score game still. So it's like, you know, yeah, you didn't play great, but you're still only down one score. Um, but instead, they tempted fate, and you should never do this, especially with Brady. Like, that was another thing. Like, it's not that they're going up against Jimmy G here. You know, this isn't the 49ers uh, again. Like, this is Brady and the Bucks, and they were cruising. Um, with getting touchdowns and your defense has been caught holding because the referees, they were consistently calling those penalties in this game. And so you're going to allow Tom Brady to take a deep shot and give the refs a potential to call pass interference or Mike Evans to get free and catch it. And it's just the risk reward in my mind. And especially that second timeout that he called when it was third and two, I'm like, it's third and two. The Bucks are probably going to get that. I honestly thought the Bucks called a timeout when I saw that. And then I saw the Chiefs did, and I'm like, wow. The Buccaneers basically got four timeouts this half is what I thought. I thought it was like the Chiefs basically said, hey, you guys used wasted a timeout earlier. Here's one for you guys. You know, how much money is that going to be? Like, that's what it felt like. They just got a, bought a timeout off at Kansas City. I was stunned at that. And then it happened, and, and then they ended up getting a touchdown, and there were some... I'll agree, bad calls, but still, you gave them the opportunity for that to happen when it didn't need to, and it really swung the tide and put the Bucks up by two scores. And um, 
like I said, clock management this season has had some bad <laughs> moments, but uh, Andy Reid in the Super Bowl, that was the biggest, biggest what are you doing moment sort of thing for me in my eyes. So I don't know if any of you else want to comment on that, but I when I saw that, I knew, I knew as soon as I saw that, I was like, this isn't going to end well for them. They're going to get either three or seven <laughs> clock stuff. I, I guess I'll try and like, yeah, slightly just, I mean, in my opinion, like, I could see where he was coming from initially because like, especially when they got the stop on first and 10, when like they stopped for net for nothing, I was like, okay, like it's still second and 10. And also I guess in their mind is thinking like, you know, yeah, we haven't been having success, but this is a big play offense. This is an offense that could easily, if something like one defender misses something, Tyree kills gone for an 80 yard touchdown. So I could see where he was coming from thinking like, okay, you know, yeah, this may not be entirely likely, but if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be us. And especially on the first down when they stopped for net for nothing, I was like, okay, sure. Where I started, where I like gave up on it, of course, was then after the second down play when it made it third and two and they called a timeout. I was like, wait, what? Like, did you also think the Bucks called a timeout? Like, <laughs> like yeah, I, I thought, did. yeah, I thought they, the Bucks called a timeout because I was like, why were the Chiefs like, okay, like if you had stopped them again for like no gain, say it's like third and nine yeah. or third and eight, okay, like keep it rolling because you still are in a great spot in a way on defense. But it's just like, okay, after they pick up, you know, seven yards, all right, just let it run down now. Because, you know, obviously you haven't been stopping this offense. You know, what's to say you're going to stop them on third and two? And it's like, yeah, you just keep stopping the clock when you don't need to. So it was one of those things for me where it was like I understood it and thought it was somewhat smart initially. But then it all got flipped on its head after that <laughs> second down play. And I was like, okay, yeah. now you're just being dumb. Like, now you need to stop and just let them go into the locker room. <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. It was, it was bizarre. Um, so now let's talk about, we talked about the AFC as a winner and now we have the NFC on the loser slide. And, you know, we're not talking about you, the bucks. This isn't, you know, <laughs> I know this is like opposite right here. <laughs> I know. But, um, so Connor, talk to us about why you think the NFC are coming on this game as losers and, and really why uh, why they ended up on this slide. Yeah, well, so, you know, it's because the reason why is because the NFC is the opposite of the AFC right now. Like, if the Chiefs had gone out, and honestly, this would be swapped if it was if the Chiefs had won the Super Bowl, because if the Chiefs had won the Super Bowl, then the AFC would have been losers, because it's like, okay, how are we going to stop this team? Like, not even the Bucks could stop this team, you know, whatever. And the NFC would have been winners, because it would have been like, okay, there's, you know there is a way to stop them. And yeah, maybe the Bucks did just kind of cruise all the way and had easy opponents and whatever. Right. But now like showing that that wasn't the case, looking at the NFC, the NFC is in a really bad spot next year when it comes to like fielding teams that are going to be competitive enough to take down this Buccaneers team, because I just, I don't see it happening for the Seahawks as much as Seattle fans will probably say that, Oh, it's going to be our time. Like Russell Wilson, MVP, like, you know, we're going to do it this time. I don't see the Seahawks doing it. The saints are in the cap dumpster of all cap dumpsters right now with being a hundred million in the negative almost. I mean, I know breeze just restructured, restructured his contract and it's probably going to retire anyway, but still, I mean, I've never seen a team in worse cap shape than this team is right now. And then 
it's like really there's only I know you know Zach and I were talking about this. There's only two teams in our opinion that can take this Bucks team down, and that's the Rams and the 49ers. If the 49ers can get back healthy next year, for anybody else to take it down, take them down, it's like the Packers would need Rodgers to come back, and obviously would need to make some serious adjustments on defense because you know maybe just get rid of Kevin King and that'll solve all their defensive problems, but. Um, you know, and then you've got like some of these other teams that they would need, they would need some kind of big blockbuster move to really put them in contention. Like someone like the Falcons or the Panthers, like if they were to somehow get Deshaun Watson, then okay, now you're in contention, but who's to say you're going to be able to get that? So it's just the NFC, the whole rest of the NFC is just kind of feeling, I think they're kind of feeling demoralized at this point in a way. It's like, oh man, like, we were kind of hoping that this was going to be, you know, they were the that the Bucks were going to get exposed for kind of cruising to the Super Bowl with this easy road that they had, and they were going to get, you know, a wake up call from the Chiefs, and the exact opposite happened. So, um, not a good look for the NFC next season. Yeah, and well, it'll be interesting to see who all of us picked for the NFC. But I, I agree with you. Right now, it's looking like there's only a few possible challengers to the Bucks team. And we'll talk about what the Bucks have to do going forward. But um, definitely, I agree with the NFC being losers here. Um, and then we'll end this uh, loser discussion with the Kansas City defense. So I'll let Eric talk about them. Obviously, they were flagged a ton in this game. And I'd seen uh, reports from other AFC West fans saying how they were happy now the Chiefs were finally getting called for holding and pass interference and stuff. I guess they weren't earlier in, in those games against them. But um, talk us through the Chiefs defense, Eric, and why. Because I know you had a, a lot more respect for them coming into this game. You you thought a little bit you know, much higher of them than I did. But just talk about why they disappointed you and ended up as being uh, losers here. Yeah, well, it was like I was talked about earlier back when I was talking about Byron Leftwich and how he adjusted, I mean, I felt like the Chiefs game plan defensively was great initially. I mean, they had the the two stops on the first two drives. They generated pressure, forcing bad throws. They generated pressure, forcing a sack. And I was like, okay, like I was like, they're doing exactly what I said that they needed to do. But then in that third drive when the Bucks adjusted I I I was willing to forgive the Chiefs for that first drive where the Bucks scored because okay, you know you've been stopping them, but now they've made an adjustment. You know they kind of figured you out, and you you weren't expecting that. It kind of threw you off. They scored on you, but then they needed to adjust to what the Bucks were doing, but they couldn't do it. They couldn't stop the run game. Fournette and Ronald Jones were both getting big chunks. They weren't stopping the screen passes. They weren't stopping the play action. They weren't making any adjustments. And I noticed that really for the most part, like Evans and Godwin didn't do much against them. I don't know if because they were just so focused on stopping them that then they couldn't stop everything else. But um, for whatever reason, they just did not make adjustments to what the Bucks offense was doing and it killed them. And I have to 
kind of, I mean, I have to put the, I know we've talked about Andy Reid already with his time management, but I also have to put him in the offense as a loser too, just because of their inability to adjust as well. I mean, you had the Bucks D line is just torching your offensive line. And I remember when we did our preview episode, you know, I, I had said that I didn't think that the offensive line injuries were going to be a concern. But the reason why I didn't think it was going to be a concern was because I thought the Chiefs were going to do some like razzle dazzle with the jet sweeps, you know, get the run game going, like get a lot of guys going in motion where the defense doesn't know what you're going to do because the number one way to stop a really good defense, like no matter how good they are, if you can make them react instead of attack, then you can beat them. But the problem was the Bucks defense was attack, 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 and the Chiefs didn't come up with anything to make them react. And that's why the Bucks defense did so well against them. So I have to put the Chiefs offense. The whole game plan for the Chiefs was just terrible outside of like the first couple possessions of the game. They made they it's their game plan wasn't really that great to begin with, especially offensively. I thought it was good defensively at first, but then when they got hit in the mouth, it was like they didn't know what to do. It was like they were a deer in the headlights. They were just lost out there. So that was just really disappointing for me because Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy have come up with some brilliant offensive game plans in the past. I don't know what happened in this game. And then, like I said, the Chiefs defenses are losers just for – not being able to adjust anything that the Bucks were doing. So, yeah, definitely losers for sure there. <laughs> All right, yeah. So I think we've spoken enough for the winners and the losers now. Um, but let's get to Kansas City, staying on the, the Kansas City topic. So um, I have a couple of things up on the slide here, and you guys can discuss them, and I'll run through them really quickly. So obviously they've got the draft. So where do you think they will go in the draft? Um, that we've taught, we've kind of talked about this AFC for the taking, like how much more difficult is it going to be? And then also too, just like with the Super Bowl hangover thing, like, do you think the, the chiefs get the Super Bowl hangover or, um, or do you think they'll be immune to that? Um, so I'll let, uh, Connor go first and then Eric can also chime in on some of these. You don't have to touch on all of these, but just talk what you want. What you think, uh, Kansas city will be like next year? Yeah. I mean, I think. For the most part, Kansas City is going to end up being the same team next year um, because I was looking at their free agents um, that are going to be coming up, and they don't really have any big-time free agents this year. I mean, they have a couple like older offensive linemen that are going to be leaving probably, um, and like Sammy Watkins is a free agent, but I mean, they're not going to miss him at all. Um, and then... There's maybe like a couple guys that they want to bring back, but it's guys that they could get back on cheap contracts. Um, it's like like Daryl Williams and um, like Demarcus Robinson and um, Pringle, like guys like that that you can get for cheap. So, um, but really, they're not losing anybody. I mean, the main thing for them is obviously going to be to get healthy on the offensive line because um, you know they really, of course, we've mentioned this so much in this episode. They really missed having Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz out there. Um, you know, two Pro Bowl tackles. It's really going to be important for them to get them back. Um, but really, I think it's just going to be this offseason because the AFC is going to be tougher. Um, 
you know, like I said, everyone's starting to re- to figure them out. You know, I think everyone was still kind of shell shocked, especially after the way they threw that whooping on the Bills. Um, you know, everyone really started to panic again, but then the Bucks brought us back to reality. So I think it is going to be a lot tougher for them next year. Um, I still see them winning the ASC West. I don't think the Raiders, Broncos, or Chargers are really going to mount a challenge to them in that division. But, you know, unless one of them makes a really big splash move or something, um, and it would really have to be the Raiders because I don't see the Broncos or Chargers competing at this moment um, because the Chargers have no defense and the Broncos have no offense. So, um, but... It's it's going to be tougher, but really in the draft for me, it's just like I don't know exactly what to do because drafting near the end is always um, a bit of a crapshoot for the most part. You know, you don't know what you're going to end up with. And, you know, obviously there's a bunch of hidden talent down there because there are a lot of pro bowlers that come out of like late first round, second round, third round um, players. But it's really just going to be get that defense fixed because this offense is going to be the same. They're not. They're not going to be missing anybody. Everybody's going to be back. Everybody's going to be healthy next year. So you know, Mahomes is going to have the surgery on his toe, so he'll be fine there. It's. It's really just going to be figuring out what to do with this defense, and um, you know, figuring out how they can adjust to some of these teams. Like you know, I think they figured out the Bills because the Bills were kind of in the same boat as them. You know, it was whichever offense. You know got going more was going to be able to do it. But like if teams like the Steelers and the Colts and the Ravens, you know, those teams I mentioned earlier, if they can get their offenses in a better spot, um, then it's going to be really tough for them, you know, to get into shootouts all the time with these teams because, you know, there's a, there's a lot of talent around them. So it's, they really have to figure out their problems on defense, but I, you know, Super Bowl hangover. I don't know. You know, honestly, they, I, I, I would still not want to pick against them not going again next year, but um, it's definitely for me, I'm probably going to think about it more this year because last year it was, there was no question or going into this season, there was no question in my mind that I was going to have them back in the Super Bowl. Um, but it's definitely going to be more of a thinking process next season for sure. <laughs> yeah. So Eric, uh, what about you? How do you feel about all this? Um I know you've been saying a lot, like they need to adjust to the adjustments. Uh, that seems to be like your pet new pet peeve. Like I've got the clock management. You hate coaches that don't adjust. Um, I but, hate the uh, refs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what do you th- what do you think they should do in the drafts? And then do you think uh, do you think they have that Super Bowl hangover? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like Connor said, they definitely need to get some work done defensively. Uh, that's definitely the biggest problem. And they'll also, like Connor said, I mean, picking so late in the first round, it's going to be hard to judge exactly who's going to be available at that point and who who should they target. Um, I don't really know for sure. But if I'm the Chiefs, I mean, I'm definitely working on addressing the defense for sure. I, I felt like the uh, secondary had some bad moments. I mean, like you said earlier, they had a ton of holding and pi calls like i didn't agree with all of those calls but most of them were warranted and they were warranted pretty easily and uh also to just the biggest thing i think for them that will i don't think they're going to have a super bowl hangover Uh, i know most teams do but 
like last year with the 49ers, I think the biggest thing for them was injuries more so than anything. I mean, literally like their whole offense got hurt. So it's hard to win when you're in that type of a situation. I, I felt like the 49ers could have still had a good season last year. And I think the Chiefs will too. I mean, they're going to be happy to have their all, all of their O linemen back that they didn't have in this game. So I, I don't see often, even though their offensive line was terrible in the Super Bowl, I don't see that being a problem for them going forward. So I think the offense is fine, but I'm definitely getting as much help on the defensive side as possible. And also, you know, with the AFC, like all these up and coming teams, I mean, <laughs> the Jags are going to have trouble. Lawrence, uh. <laughs> yeah, on the uh, Ricky Jackson, contract. Jackson, Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, Super Bowl, baby. <laughs> no, oh, it's just, it's just gonna... yeah. yeah oh, I was yeah. just gonna say. Um, I was just gonna say it's kind of like it's really interesting when you look at Wilson, Russell Wilson. His second year, he won the Super Bowl. Third year, he lost the Super Bowl, and we all thought, okay, they'll be back eventually, but they still haven't gotten back to the Super Bowl after his third year and. He's still been great, but it's hard, man. Like you don't, yeah. you the, the Chiefs. We took them for granted, but you know who's to say Justin Herbert doesn't have an amazing season and the Chargers like potentially win? Like you never know. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I will say I think this yeah, Chiefs ahead, team. Yeah, I was like, I will say I think this Chiefs team is better than that Seahawks team was yeah. though. I think that Seahawks team once they. Once that the guys on that secondary started to leave, like that was it because yeah. I think their their offense got exposed after that for like relying so much on that defense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be hard. It is gonna be hard for them to get back there just because. I mean, obviously, you know, so the Jags are gonna draft Trevor Lawrence. The Jets are most likely gonna be bringing in a whether they trade for like Watson or bring in. Uh, you know, top like high round rookie, like they're going to be getting somebody good. And then plus the teams that are, you know, they're already having, and I'm sure Bill Belichick's going to adjust with the Patriots. The Dolphins have been up and coming. The Bills have gotten a lot better. The Steelers still have that amazing defense. And they have some weapons on offense. Joe Burrow's only going to get better. So like there's going to be, the Titans are still good. I mean, there's a lot of competition competition in the AFC so like if they don't get there it'd be more so because of that but I, I don't think it would be because okay like oh their team falls apart or like, yeah, yeah I mean unless they have a bunch of injuries like the 49ers had but I don't think it's I don't think you're just going to see like Mahomes come out and be bad next year or the defense give up like 31 plus points a game like they did in the Super Bowl like, yeah I don't, I don't think that's going to happen I, I would be shocked yeah and we will move on now to talk about Tampa Bay and what's next for them? Because unlike Kansas City, they've got a lot more offseason work to do. Uh, usually the case with the Super Bowl winner, you can't keep that team because it's a salary cap league. But um, looking at some of the big free agents that they have uh, upcoming this season are going to be Shaq Barrett, Levante David, and Chris Godwin. And Nathan, I'll ask Nate this question too, and I'll, I'll like rank these in order of importance. I think... Most important, I think, is going to be Shaq Barrett. And then I think Levante David would be second most important. And then Godwin at third. Um, Just because Godwin's been great and all, but they have depth at that position. And it sounds like Antonio Brown will be back. He wants to be back. And um, that experiment worked. Uh, A lot of people didn't think it would work, but it did. So he'll be back and probably better since he'll have a full season. And they have Scotty Miller and... 
um, somebody out of what's that guy? The rookie out of uh, Tyler Johnson, I think. Um, so they have depth of that position, and not to mention the tight ends and running backs too. So I think they can afford to let Godwin walk. It's not going to be easy for him to go. And obviously, they still have Mike Evans too. He's the number one. But I think that's of less importance. But the defense, that's really what won them the Super Bowl and the impact that they had. They got to bring back as much of the defense as possible. And starting with the two best free agents here, Shaq and Levante David, because David's been the leader really for this team. He was a Buccaneer before uh, the good times. And Shaq Bear is just, his production is unreal. Um, coming off the edge, and he makes life so much easier for all the other guys. So those are the two guys I know that the Bucks I think, would want to... They'll probably end up tagging one of them, maybe. One of these people is getting franchise tag, probably. But, um, Nate, do you agree with me, or do you think Godwin should be a higher priority? No, I absolutely agree. I think Godwin should be more of a luxury for the Bucks going into free agency. Like, like you said, they just have so much talent on offense so that's not worth overpaying for a guy when you know there's you know mike evans is all pro basically um ab could easily take his spot next year and they still have gronk um fournette ronald jones all those guys it's like you know i would rather spend the money on one of those two defensive guys you just mentioned that would be a lot bigger um return on your investment there yeah and then finally um I just have these up here as, as a potential thing because these could end up being big. Um, I've heard that Brady could restructure his contract so that uh, it gives them more cap room. And also, too, we have a quote here from Mike Evans. or It's from Bruce Arians talking about Mike Evans. He says, Mike Evans is the most unselfish superstar I've ever met. He's told us to use some of his money if we need to keep the team together. So, I mean, that's a good thing you want to hear if you're a Bucks fan. Like, that's, that's like, music to your ears to hear, like, potentially Brady and Evans, like, you know, you know, restructuring a little bit to save, save a dime or two. Like, um, and also, too, do you think that some of these free agents are going to maybe take a little bit less money to come back to play with Tom Brady? Um, cause it seemed like, I don't know what the track record in new England was. It seemed like a lot of times guys in new England would have success and leave. Um, what do you think is going to happen ultimately with these guys, Nate? I don't know. For me, it's tricky because I think going off of what wouldn't happen in new England. A lot of those guys were like, you know, undrafted or, um, kind of like journeyman players that were brought in for, a year or two and really showed out in one Super Bowl and then, you know, took a huge payday relative to what they were making before that. You know, like uh, Danny Amendola has made a whole career basically off his, you know, stint with the Pats and some guys like that. Whereas, you know, um, Monte David, Shaq Barrett, Mike Evans, those guys are obviously stars. They were stars before Brady showed up. But I think now winning, you know, they those guys have never won before in their NFL career. And it's like, for them, it's like they've already made money they've been paid like superstars like you know i would totally understand why you know i would if i was in their position i would take you know a little bit less money for a couple of years to uh try and win another super bowl which you know once brady leaves and the team kind of falls apart it's like you're not guaranteed to ever get back there so 
Um, you know, just trying to put myself in their shoes. I would uh, take a little bit less money to stick around, but uh, you never know. It's those guys are definitely in for a big payday after, um, you know, from another team yeah. after this Super Bowl run. Yeah, and that's another thing that adds to the likelihood that Godwin's not going to be brought back because he's never he's he's still waiting for his first big payday, whereas uh, Shaq and Levante have already gotten right. paid nicely. So, and also too, I can definitely see some team shelling out a lot of money for uh, for Godwin as well, making it way more than the Bucks can offer. So, I think unfortunately for the Bucks, he's the one that ends up going. But I do think. Um, because Shaq Barrett was fine with the franchise tag uh, before the season, because that's what he played on this year. Um, he liked it, and obviously Levante David, I think, has been a buck his whole career. So I do think both of them will end up coming back, um, but we shall see. We're going to get into the free agency talk in about a month from now, so uh, that'll be something to look forward to. Uh, but yeah, guys, this will wrap this up. We've been talking for over an hour now about all the winners and losers. Um with the Super Bowl, and it's sad the season has come to an end, but uh, we will be doing our best to keep providing NFL content in the off season. And next week, we are actually going to take a break from the NFL and bring back NBA on the podcast. So we'll be going around the hoop uh, all episode next week, talking about different things in the NBA that are going on that we didn't really get a chance to talk about because of the playoffs. So hopefully, you guys like that. And then we have some other miscellaneous episodes in store in the future that I hope you'll enjoy. But uh, yeah, that's going to be it for this one, guys. Thanks for tuning in, listening and watching. And until next time, be clutch. Bye. See ya. Hey.